What's going on, Skytown? Welcome to another edition of the Skyhook Podcast. My name is James Kay. With me on the mic, as always, is your co-host, Chris Pennant. Chris, it took us a while, but we're here to record this podcast. Um, you all know how we have a proclivity for having to deal with tech difficulties, but we're here. We are here, and if you're watching on video, or I guess we're celebrating Thanksgiving while we record this podcast. <laughs> how are you doing today, man? Good. I mean, we had to rent this Airbnb that you see around. It's luxurious, <laughs> you know. It's still decorative oh. board season. You can see behind us. Uh, no, no, I wanted to see, uh, there's a, there's an immersive uh, feature on the video that I felt like playing around with. And so here we are, we are, we are in the fireside chat uh, <laughs> version of, of Zoom today, which is fair because this is exactly where you'd want to be on a day like it is today. Absolutely. I mean, I'm already dreading this upcoming winter, quite honestly. I, I Summer was just so great and Let's talk about next summer, though, man. I think that's what everybody kind of is interested in right now, about what the Chicago Sky are going to look like in 2023. And that whole, I mean, I don't know if we want to call it a saga right now, but as we sit here in November, Candace Parker said on Richard Deich's podcast, he's from The Athletic, hosts the Sports Media Podcast, she said that she is planning on returning for a 16th season in the WNBA. And she did give the caveat of just, Hey, this point last year, I thought that I was going to retire and, you know, she ended up coming back for the sky with the sky, obviously. Um, She said like in January or February, she's like, you know what? I'm coming back, which is kind of eye opening. But Chris, when you heard this news coming from Candace and Richard Dyche, I mean, what were like, what was your reaction? Like, do you feel like, Candace is going to come back and be in a Chicago Sky uniform in 2023? I think there's a strong possibility. Uh, like, like I discussed on the podcast with you uh, the last couple of months, Candace is a competitor of the highest order. And I think with those players, they have a desire to, they, they have a desire to write what they might see as wrongs or unfinished business and I could definitely see last year feeling unfinished or underwhelming for Candace, especially the way that the team kind of lost steam in those first two playoff series and their eventual loss to Connecticut. What I was saying before was that I thought if Candace felt like she didn't have any more to give or would not uh, play up to her potential to play as well as she could or had, that's when she would retire. And she said as much. And since she's coming back, she feels like she has more in the tank, more that she can give to the game and be Candace Parker instead of a shadow of that player that we've come to know and love. Well, you know, you know, if you're not taking that poll where people seem to dislike Candace, the rest of us know and love. And I would see her coming back to the sky because they weren't able to repeat as champions. But winning two in a three-year span is close. It's not the same, but it's close. And I think I could see her coming back to a a situation where she's most comfortable. I agree. One of the things that I thought was really interesting when I forget exactly which press conference it was, but she said that she remembers the losses more than she remembers the wins just because of how painful they are. And that did come to my brain like almost immediately when I saw this news quite honestly because I was like okay 
if there's that baggage that you don't want to carry with you the rest of your life about what could this group have done to potentially get to the mountaintop? And I look, there was one person that was like, I think you're crazy for saying it, but I've, I've said it on the podcast, man. I really do think the sky were a really bad matchup for the aces in last year's finals. If they were able to get there, we'll never know. But I think that they probably think that too, just given how distraught they were during the media exit interviews the next day. And that's got to be something that, especially when you look at the rest of the sky, Courtney Vandersloot and Allie Quigley, like, is that the way you want to go out with the Chicago skies losing to the sun in game five of the final or of the semifinals where you go on this, like one of the coldest streaks that we've seen from the sky in the time that we've been covering it together. So a part of me thinks that like, Hey, this is like the perfect thing for James Wade to use as a selling point of just like, we got unfinished business. And if you, you can think about what, what comes next after this, but like what's ended the right way. And that to me is the, the selling point for James Wade. I think this is a really, this is probably the best news this guy have gotten in the off season so far. <laughs> yeah, because it could be a domino. Candace is a major domino in, in terms of how things could fall. For, for Courtney Vandersloot and, and Allie Quigley go their own way. But having Candace, if she says she's coming back, even on a one-year deal, having her in the fold, it's another impetus for those players to say, all right, let's come back and do this thing. It's the same for uh, Azra Stevens, I think, because that's an indelible font of knowledge, Candace Parker, of how to play this game at that position. And we've seen Azra really just develop as she's been in Chicago. And we've talked about her impending free agency. That could be an impetus for her to stay as well. It'd be hard to jigger the numbers, but that is more of, of a I think it makes it more likely that the other free agents on the roster would have more reason to come back and if they come back on team friendly deals if they do that's a perfect way of putting it and with Z and Emma Mieseman those are the two players I'm looking at in terms of again selling Candace Parker and coming back to the sky selling Courtney Vandersloot and coming back as well if you're able to get those two to say yes to coming back in 2023, I look at Azra Stevens, who probably wants to get more minutes, honestly. Like she's played up to the level that this guy expected when they gave her that $140,000 extension back, what, before the 2020 season? I mean, Azra Stevens is someone that can start in the WNBA, and there's teams that need a stretch five in their lineups, quite honestly, like I look at Minnesota as someone that could potentially take Azra Stevens from the sky. But I think about it as well. Like, Hey, if you are able to get Courtney Vandersloot, Candace Parker back in with Kalia Copper, who's already signed this year, there's going to be minutes in the front court to eat up. And if Emma Mieseman is unable to come back because again, the prioritization rule changes everything for European players there's going to be a starting spot for Azra Stevens, right? And let's say vice versa too, if Emma Mieseman wants to come back and Azra Stevens wants to try out a different situation elsewhere in her WNBA career right now, Emma Mieseman is also just going to be able to occupy all those minutes. And then maybe they do something by relying on Ruthie a little bit more on a cheaper contract. But this is, again, I think that this is a really positive 
step forward for this guy, at least that Candice coming out this early saying I'm right now, my mindset is I'm coming back for a 16th season. Yeah. It's, it's tough when you have such three skilled and I think able to affect the game in differing ways, but still it's, there's similarities, but differences. Right. And I think that's the cool thing about what the sky had in their front court available to them. And we haven't even talked about Ruthie yet. So you have these three players that you have kind of as, as a coaching staff, as a general manager, you have to fit and slot them in very precisely in order for things to work. But it's not that they are going to, you know, hinder each other. Rather, they, these three can all help each other. These four, I should really say. But you have only a certain amount of time to do it with the way that the league is going with what all three players desire. I think that's the thing that we, we can't really talk about or effectively analyze on this podcast. What do all three of these people, what do all four of these people really desire, truly desire in the, in the midst of this game, in this context? And I think that's what we, we can't surmise as well, but we, we have to try and consider it and figure out so that and, and to be as accurate as possible. So I think, you know, Outside of playing time, I don't know, you know, Candace wants to be a starter. I don't think we, she could be anything less in this league. Um, same for Emma, uh, but that's a consideration for Z, consideration for Ruthie as well. And it's, you know, then what does Azaree really want? What does she want to be as a scorer? What does she want to be as a defender? What does she want to be as an all-around player? We've talked about her for six women of the year so many times. She hasn't been an all-star yet, If if I'm – if I'm remembering correctly, and that's in her future too. Where can she best fill those dreams? You know, is it on the sky next year or is it on another team next year? It's, it's so complicated and out there. And I, and I, I hate getting, I hate getting metaphysical, metaphysical because I get so rambly, but it's just something that you have to think about, you know? Absolutely. And I mean, what she averaged just over like 22 minutes per game last year. I mean, she can probably play more than that. And I think it's fair to say, though, right now, we don't know what Azrae Stevens wants. And she did say publicly last year, I played at UConn and I understand like what my role is. And I am fine coming off the bench if it just contributes to winning. Maybe that is something that if the Sky are able to pony up the money that, again, Ali Quigley could retire. That just opened up 135K off the books right there in, in terms of being able to pay some of these other players on the roster. And if as, I mean, again, if they offer the same amount of money, maybe some more security, like guaranteeing the money a little bit more than maybe some other teams would be willing to in terms of just, just based on what she's dealt with lower body wise, like mm. it wouldn't surprise me either. Like I want to put out, the positive version of this too, just because we don't know what Azrae Stevens wants right now, but you know, Chris, let's shift a, a little bit though, because let's just lay out the case for Candace Parker coming back. Like to me, I think that one having Kalia Copper on the roster is huge, just given that they both on and off the court, they just are a great pairing, right? Like they clearly have chemistry with one another what other things that do you have in mind where you're like, you know what, the Chicago sky make more sense for Candace Parker than let's say 
the Los Angeles Sparks, who Richard Deich reported that it's most likely going to come down to those two destinations for Candace Parker. I think it's... I mean, he spoke with her, so I'm not going to impugn Richard Deitch's credibility. But what else would you think, right? She hasn't she hasn't ever been linked to any other franchise uh, that I can recall. There might have been trade rumors over the years, but Candace Parker has played for the Los Angeles Sparks and the Chicago Sky. She has her family still in the suburbs of Chicago and her family in Los Angeles. So, of course, she's going to be linked to those two. Like, I don't – it's weird because I don't want to – I don't want to sound like a hater. But you're not going to be like, oh, you know, the Liberty might have room for it because she's got no connection with the Liberty, right? And Absolutely. I, I think the only thing about it is that, you know, the intrigue of Kurt Miller co- coaching the Sparks, I'm sure a bunch of Sky fans and my and our guy, Kristen Braswell, are going to be like, oh, no, I'm just going to go to Los Angeles. And she's got that little dude with the glasses out there who made a point of, but... I don't know. I, I think that those two are the front runners because they would have to be. She's at the point in her career where she can choose where she wants to go. And we don't have anything else concrete that would lead her lead us to believe that she would choose anywhere else. So those would have to be the front runners based on all the information we've got. Yeah, no, absolutely. And her daughter lives out in LA. And it's like one thing that Candace told me was that her and her daughter never like spend like more than like a month apart. So like they'll make the point to like see each other, um, you know, maybe like through airfare or whatever it is. But it probably would be nice just to be able to be there right with your family um, just in sunny L.A., obviously, throughout the year. And that does make it a little less pain. Like, I don't know. It makes it a little less painful, I would argue, just being able to – maybe there's a, extra volleyball games you're able to go see for your – like, her daughter just started doing that. And mm-hmm. there's just things that you won't miss when you're in the same city as the person that, you know, you love and want to commit time to. And I, there's that factor, of course. The NECA, I do think that that relationship can't be overstated just with – she wants to come back and help rebuild the Sparks – the Sparks have plenty of cap space and they can really build the roster around Candace and NECA. They just get them shooting around them just so that they can maximize the spacing that they kind of need to be able to be their most efficient selves. LA does make a little bit of sense, but I don't know. Like, could you just from a, from a basketball perspective, let's just say for just going after a championship, do you think the Los Angeles Sparks, given where they're, coming off of right now given where like again they just don't have a ton of stability don't have a first round pick this year I don't believe like do you feel like they could just kind of turn things around and get Candace and be actual contenders in the WNBA next year they could be contenders I don't know if they're ready to to contend for a championship necessarily but there are pieces where they could be contenders uh, I don't know what they're going to do with Kennedy Carter, but she's she's coming off the bench. So honestly, it's it's so strange to say that a talent like hers is an afterthought on that roster, but she is. But you have a new coach who is proven uh, playoff contender. You have uh, Neka Gumuke, you have Cheney, you have Brittany Sykes. You add Candace to that mix, and um, 
I still, I think, I still think they have potential with Jordan Canada in the backup point guard spot to be a very disruptive defensive team, uh, especially with Kurt at the helm. Then you're going to be in contention most nights. Um, never, I'm not well, sure. They have about some. It. All those players though are free agents, like Jordan Canada, Brittany Sykes, Shanae, Amanda Zowie B, Christy Tolliver. I mean, NECA, Obviously, we just talked about her. Lexi Brown is also an unrestricted free agent. Like the only two players coming back at this point that are guaranteed deals are Katie Lou Samuelson and Kennedy Carter. Well, did you see what happened with Kennedy Carter? That's too, exactly with, why I said it. She got cut from Angel McCautry's agency. Yeah, just like the one that Angel McCautry is represented by. Like, they, like Kennedy Carter is no longer going to have her as a mentor. So I, I don't know what's going on there. I'm not going to speculate about what's going yeah. on. It could That could be a hundred different things for why they cut ties with one another. But I think it's fair to question what, like, what Kennedy Carter's role is going to be next year or when she didn't get as much playing time last year. Like I said, they have to resign Brittany Sykes. I think that that, so I will yeah. walk back on everything, but I'm going, I will say Brittany Sykes is on that roster because if they don't have Brittany Sykes on that roster outside of a sign and trade, I think it depletes them and that takes them out of contention. She's just, she, she proved to me last year, a nascent, analyst that she is a player that a team needs especially los angeles so that being said it's then it's about you know figuring out how you can get candace and mix her in with those other players if you have candace you don't have amanda zawi b uh that so you have that to deal with i don't know where you're getting from katie lou could you trade her for picks or could you get something of value for her but you're trying to orient a roster, I think, around Candace and NECA. And then Brittany in the front court. You can fill in from there. It won't necessarily be a championship contender, but I didn't think they would be a championship contender no matter what. It's just about being a contending team. Then you get in the problem of saying, well, does Candace just want to be on a contending team or a championship contending team? And so then I'd say no. See, that's kind of where I'm at right now where it's like you know what there's a lot of factors outside of the basketball product on the court that makes sense for Candace to go back to LA and quite honestly I I believe that if Candace really thought that she could win a championship in LA next year that whatever happened at the end of the semifinals with her and Kurt Miller could probably be reconciled to a certain degree if it even needs to be you know like if LeBron James can come back to Cleveland after what the what Dan Gilbert wrote that letter calling him like this selfish king on his way out of Cleveland, I'm like, you know what? That was one of the worst things I ever seen between like a relationship and sports. And they wasn't as bad after game five. It wasn't as bad as that. And Candace, again, there's just a lot of things going her way personally, again, her personal life to be able to go back to LA potentially. But man, 130k for Katie Lou Samuelson, like to pay a bench player if she's going to be coming off the bench for them next year. I mean, that's a lot of money, just in terms of trying to be, trying to get top end talent at the top that requires 180 to 190 thousand dollars probably for like top tier starters that they might not be able to give up potentially, depending on how all this plays out. And she also was signed by Derek Fisher, like she wasn't signed by. Kurt Miller and whoever goes into the front office, right? Like that's a past regime player that might not fit into Kurt Miller's mold 
especially as a defensive mind like him. Like Katie Lou Samuelson, she's improved offensively. I know there's people that argue that she's been a better defender as well. I haven't quite seen that. And, you know, I haven't watched every single LA game, but I've watched quite a few of them. And she's not really selling me on being able to defend, especially on isolation plays. Like one-on-one, she's just going to get beat. And maybe that's why you have Candice and NECA. But I don't know if they can just snap their fingers and have a championship team because they tried that last year, sort of, with signing some of these bigger names, trading for Kennedy Carter, and look what happened. We just these super quote unquote super teams. There hasn't been a history of it. Every everything just working out in year one. It's hard. It's always hard. Um, even even the Miami Heat didn't win the championship. I mean, it was a struggle for them from the gate, and they had to get through a pretty solid, a couple of pretty solid teams on their way to getting beat in the finals. So I think on that side, there's that. It's also, speaking of the Miami Heat, I think it's a slightly dissimilar situation because Dan Gilbert was such a presence for those teams. And I cannot name you the Sparks owner right now. Uh, that's That's not a detriment to them. I think that's actually a plus to them. Rather not know who the owner of a team is as opposed to the players and the coaching staff. You know, put your money up. Don't interfere that much come out in the championship parade, or if there's something that you have to answer for, otherwise just lay back in the cut, as the kids would say. So I think it's dissimilar because that was a Derek Fisher thing, right? I, I will say that I think between her and Kurt, if there is not, if it's not just a manufactured or a uh, gossip type thing that we've blown into this magnitude, then that could be an issue. But it's less about, you know, Candace coming back to that organization and more about her coming back to play with a coach that she can get along with. Yeah, that's totally fair. I mean, again, why put yourself through this 40-game-plus marathon if you feel like you have some feelings that need to be hashed out with someone that maybe you don't even want to hash out, like try to figure things out with that relationship. So what what, what we just talked about, though, these are all pluses – for people that want Candace Parker to come back to the Chicago sky and they should want that, right? Like Candace is still playing. Like she was just named the all WNBA first team this past season. She averaged 18, eight and close to five, like or 13, eight and five. So like I, she clearly has plenty left to again, try to go after that championship. And I look at the Chicago sky with, Again, depending on how all these things play out, they have the number five pick that James Wade has a commitment from Candace Parker that they're going to go for it one more year. They're probably just going to be preparing for the short term and being able to use that number five pick, which again, I don't think there's a ton of exciting players for the Chicago sky, just based on how they play basketball that should excite them necessarily. I've been doing a lot of draft work, just a lot of prep, um, just looking I looked at the next big board and just going through like all the players and I got some players below five that I think excite me. None, none of them really do for the Chicago sky, quite honestly, especially for what they're going to need next year. So I think they'll probably be able, able to use that number five pick and potentially be able to shop it to see if they can one, I don't maybe get like salary relief. Maybe they try to, maybe they try to use Ruthie if they don't, think that Ruthie is the answer at the backup 
center role um, or maybe take Lee's contract and try to do something there. I would be hesitant to trade Dana Evans, especially if Ali Quigley retires. Like there's definitely 20 minutes per game for Dana Evans next year if Ali Quigley retires. Um, and, you know, Rebecca Gardner's on a suspended contract, which means she can only negotiate with this guy heading into free agency. So to me, these are all that sound like positive things that like, if I'm again, trying to go for a championship and again, the only two options that I'm considering are Chicago and Los Angeles. One of those just seems like a, like a more realistic path to getting to a championship than the other one does right now. Yeah. And I think that there is a, a, a market. There's definitely a market for Ruthie Hayward. We're going to talk about her later in the overseas report. Uh, but yeah, man, you got to, uh, but they, there's a market for Ruthie, right? She's an accurate shooter who runs the floor well and rebounds. And I think teams can use that, whether it's um, starting or off the bench. It depends on somewhere where she's go somewhere where she can get consistent minutes, whatever that team is, whatever they have to offer this guy back. You know, I, I don't know if there's allowances in the CBA for, for cash considerations, um, mm-hmm. So the people who are Bulls fans just shuddered when I made that, when I said that <laughs> phrase, uh, but something <laughs> like you said, salary relief, uh, future draft picks, or, or just some kind of value back. It's mainly, I think at that point about freeing up your, your front court log jam and getting Ruthie to a good situation. Agreed. And I'm just, I just think there's more, flexibility on the sky's end right now in terms of like I think that one thing that we've almost neglected too is like they don't have to bring in certain people back like there's a a route where they don't have Emma Mieseman and as Ray Stevens next year and they look at other players on the market and just I don't know like I don't think they should do this but Brianna Jones is someone that again I think is going to be sought after in free agency and I'd be surprised if she ends up back in Connecticut. It just there would be so much things that they would have to do to make her and make that happen. But um, you know, it would be extra super yeah, savvy. Get... Would you like say? just you know it would be extra super savvy? <laughs> and as long as you you do it, you have to do it. Um, like I said, savvily, almost in a cunning way. Just get in on the Bree Jones sweepstakes just to drive up the asking price for whatever team goes together so that they have to deal with south with um roster construction after that because she's a player that can it was we've seen that can affect the team's championship outcomes and the sky want to keep their window open as long as they can right and you still have developing players in that front court players who are young players who can play for the next five, six years if you do things right. So again, I'm not good at this, but just get in, stay in there long enough and you know, you're not making it public so that you have anybody pissed off like they're trying to replace your spot and then just mm. get out. It's a move that we've seen work in sports before. I mean, honestly, it wouldn't be, if we get a tweet from Andy Costable this off season, that just says, or Rachel Galligan, whoever, just saying like the Chicago Sky are seriously considering bringing in ex free agent or like Brianna Jones, as for example. Like, I wouldn't be surprised again just to like drive up that price because they'll. There's not a. Lot, I mean, these teams like if they want to bring back their players are not going to be able to add others as well. I mean, like Phoenix, just going over their cap situation. I mean. 
oh my God, like Diana Taurasi is not going to be able to like financially as of right now, they cannot offer her the max and she's probably going to want to come back for that. So it's just <laughs> WNBA free agency is already giving me a headache, but um, Chris, do you want to talk about any like surprise teams or just like the fun fit if Candice were to choose any of those teams outside of the sky or sparks? Yeah. Like Atlanta would be fun. Um, I, yeah. I hate to steal your thunder there because I know you, you had, you mentioned them along with Minnesota. I think <laughs> that it would be interesting seeing her with gosh, who was, well, you know, we talked so many times about the players playing alongside Shakira Austin and if somehow some way mm. Washington could land her, what a terrifying mix of Elena, even like 80% Elena, second year Shakira Austin and Candace Parker with um, Natasha Cloud and then uh, Rui Machida coming off the bench. <laughs> Ariel Atkins too, I mean. Oh like, God, what a it's... terrifying mix. <laughs> that would be crazy. You know, I'm going to go with that. That would be wild things <laughs> just because you got Ariel Atkins who can launch it from deep. Natasha Cloud, who's just giving everybody a fucking hard time. <laughs> and then you rotate those three in the front court. That's a lot of inside out play. Shakira would get so many offensive boards. God. Ugh. Yeah. That's Ugh. a really fun one. Again, financially, like I just think it's gonna be hard with Maisha Heinz Allen, you know? Like Oh yeah. I was I was not taking any kind yeah, of salary yeah. into account at all. It would just be like I'm not fun, Chris. <laughs> I'm not fun. I clearly <laughs> like, had to make it realistic. Okay, Kathy would say Kathy would give it was some like 60s, 70s deal where because Mike Tebow retired and because of his contributions to the league, <laughs> Washington would get like like a, a free free agent or something. Just because I love that. And they would have to pay, like, they would get a discount. They were like, okay, we will, you can get Candace. Candace gets her asking price. The league will just pay half of it because Mike Tebow has been so important. And then Washington just picks up Candace Parker. That's how it would happen. People would react so calmly to that. Yeah. Um, it would not make, it would not make a splash at all. Never. Um, that's a really good one. I like that one. I think, again, Atlanta is intriguing if they just, are able to surround them with shooting and maybe use uh, what was it the number three pick? No, yeah, the number three pick in this year's draft to again just make it a more veteran savvy team. I mean, I think that's kind of any team that has Candace is going to need to be able to do that to some extent. I'm going to say the one that Sparks fans don't want to hear, the Chicago Sky fans don't want to hear, that pretty much the rest of the league doesn't want to hear. But I just <laughs> think it would be hilarious if Candace Parker becomes like the second notable like big name player to cross the line of the Link Sparks rivalry of the 2010s and signs with the Minnesota Lynx and they have the instead of having like the number two overall draft pick in the 2008 draft they have the number one overall pick in the 2008 draft in Candace Parker put her in the middle and have with Kayla McBride, Ariel powers, maybe they trade the number two pick in the draft to try to find like a quality point guard. Cause they're in need of that. If they don't sign back Mariah Jefferson. Um, I think that that would be a really fun outcome just in terms of like watching basketball and 
I always root for good basketball, but I also don't want to see that selfishly. Like I want to cover <laughs> Candace Parker again, man. I want to cover Candace Parker again. And I do think realistically the sky are the landing spot, but in terms of just like, let's throw gasoline on the fire and <laughs> let's uh, have fun with this. Like she kind of would be a perfect fit in Minnesota, but I'm look, I'm just saying that if we're doing the exercise, that's the one that I think would be kind of interesting. <laughs> My man here just asking questions. It would be, yeah. you know what? No, I'm not even going <laughs> to analyze this because Minnesota already got the number two pick in the draft. Like that's not, that wasn't fair in the first place. And I know everybody was upset at Connecticut because the Lynx lost on the, on the last weekend of the season and Sylvia Fowles didn't get to the playoffs, but it's not about Sylvia Fowles, B. It's not. It's not, it's not about <laughs> Sylvia Fowles. It's about Cheryl Reeves somehow getting the number two pick in the draft. Yeah. The number two pick in the draft, dude. The, the Lynx shouldn't have, as bad as they were, they nearly made the playoffs. Like, they shouldn't even have been close to the number two pick. I'm still mad. They won, they won 11 of their last 20 games. Like, that team wasn't bad. They just had, like, some bad... Injuries at the top, aerial powers, mm-hmm. like, had a historically bad shooting, like, stretch from, like, the first 10, 12 games of the season. Like, they don't – they should not be in that spot. I was actually laughing my ass off after the third pick. I'm like, oh, my God, Minnesota's about to get fucking Aaliyah Boston, aren't they? Like, like we, <laughs> that we is a reality it. that – We talked about it, and it nearly happened. I know. I got, We just got to – not put that out in the world because that just would have been that would have been too much. We can't have another Minnesota dynasty coming off of the four that they won just like less than a decade ago. But um, you know what? Enough Minnesota talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, Chris, tell us, give us your overseas rundown. I, I've only been I've, I've tried to watch a little bit more since you started to do this segment of the pod. So. Give us what you have on what's going on overseas with the Chicago sky. All right. I know we've talked about uh, Dana before on the show. We talked about Ruthie and Becca, and I want to get to Azure Stevens, but uh, Rebecca Gardner is having a nice campaign. It's kind of, it's different for, uh, for her than I think for some other teams because she's with Spar Girona in Spain and they played six domestic games and six EuroLeague games and her averages are, they're, they're fairly close. She's uh, about 15, five and two assists in domestic play with just about two steals. And in about a minute and a half more in EuroLeague games, that steals number climbs to near th- nearly three, 16 steals in 70 total minutes in uh, six games. And while her shooting averages drop, She's still scoring about 12 points a game, rebounding a touch more, six, about six rebounds and three assists. On a team with no other notable, as far as I've seen, let me check this, no other notable WNBA talent. Um, yeah, on Spar Girona. And they were the best team in the Spanish league until they lost to Zaragoza by one point a couple of mm. weeks ago. So, yeah, it's... They've had a good win against Shio, and they just beat Soprom Basket that uh, had Gabby Williams last year in one Euro League. So it's it's what you'd expect from Rebecca Gardner. It, it's yeah. 
I, it's probably, but it's just going to be better because I think she's she's so used to playing overseas, and anything that you're looking for, if if Sky fans are looking for any pluses, she is not taking a lot of threes in the domestic campaign or or in Euroleague, but she's made five of eleven from outside the arc. That's good for about forty six percent, so that's pretty solid. I don't think we'll see Rebecca Gardner taking two threes a game next year, but if she's hitting, you know one attempt a night at like a 45% clip. That's better than Sky fans saw last year for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that she is, Oh, sorry. What were you about to say? No, no, go ahead. I just think that she is someone that is kind of an underrated shooter. I know, again, I know what stats say and everything, but I do think that like when I see her at practice, I mean, like she can shoot the lights out and I wonder how much that, just being in a different role next year too, potentially if she comes back, like, I do wonder if she could potentially take some time off from the WNBA. Just I mean, she had like a, not like a a serious injury towards the end of the year. Like it was like after the semifinal, she said like I'm going to take some time to rest before going to the Spanish league. And I just thought about that, like God, the basketball grind, like Allie Quigley finally taking some time off after playing basketball for 11 months out of the year for like since 2008 it's like that it's gonna take a toll on you and I wonder if if Rebecca Garner doesn't get the deal that she wants if she wouldn't potentially not play in the W next year but if she does play and again I do think Allie Quigley is gonna retire not reporting it's just like a feeling that I have I I just think Rebecca Garner if she just continues to do exactly what she did last year and what she's doing overseas right now is like, that's a player that can start on the Chicago sky. Um, did you see Dana went off for 37 points the other day too? Yes. And um, Bashik just finally got their first win of the season in yeah. that game. And that's, you know, everything that you're getting from Dana Evans overseas is just, um, I want to say gravy, but that's not the right point. That's not the right word for it. You're just trying to see growth. And it's funny because yeah. we know she's a scorer. We're, we're, that's very evident. But she put up 37 on 20 shots. So she had not only a high scoring game, but an efficient game. And this came after a game where she only scored two points on one of 14 from the field. So it was an efficient game. It was a game for their first win of the year, and it was a bounce-back game for it, too. And that one, I think, went OT, and they only won by three. This is not a great Besiktas team, and I think we've seen pretty good Besiktas teams. Like I've said before, Turkey, the Turkish League, usually has pretty quality teams. There's going to be teams at the bottom. But Besiktas has had good teams in the past, and she put on a performance, Dana Evans, I think that they're looking to her as a primary scorer. That's why she's getting up so many shots per night, you know, more than at least 12 a night. And, you know, a wrinkle to that, she was playing against a Hatai team uh, with Epiphany Prince starting. Both of them played 45 minutes. So if, yeah. if there's anybody to go up against to kind of, you know, even at this stage of her career, you're still playing Epiphany Prince who can put the ball in the basket. And there's somebody that you can pick up so many things from a player like that. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, that ex-Sky player, Epiphany Prince? Yeah, like, I just, the one thing that I want to note before we wrap things up, too, 
just looking at Dana's box scores the other day, it's like the, she's not playing less than like 36, 37 minutes per game. Like that's a wrong. lot of, uh, yeah. I mean, when, when you're a young player like that, it's like that can't hurt. I mean, you're not going to be doing that at 35 or anything, but like, man, good for Dana Evans just being able to be the motor for that team and again, being like the primary scoring option. One, one weird wrinkle. She's had uh, three games where she's totaled out at 12 of 28 from three. And then three games where she's put up a donut. It's, it's, I want to watch more of these. It's hard when it's not EuroLeague competition, but you want to see what's going on because the one thing I think that I don't know if anybody really wants to hear somebody described as a streaky shooter because streaky shooters don't typically end up being top tier starters and I know that so many people see that you know just people in terms of fans see that for Dana want it for Dana and you'd want her to be more consistent you know outside of just like here's what her total numbers and average are so that's something to keep an eye on during the season too yeah I mean again she's young We've seen young players improve their consistency over time and adjusting to this new lifestyle. Let's be honest, like going overseas, not seeing your family for months and months and months, and then coming back to the WNBA where the schedule is becoming tighter and tighter each year. Again, everything like I think about what we were just talking about at the top of this and why I thought I, there was a part of me that thought Candace was going to retire after this past season. I was like, those extra four games in the regular season are a lot to add because again, scheduling becomes tighter. And she told Richard Deitch too, just about how I couldn't imagine myself last year getting to game 27. Like that was one of the biggest parts of that quote to me too, is just like, okay, yeah, because this marathon is really tough to get through, especially when you're not getting chartered, especially, I mean, again, this, this guy's resources have improved as well. So like, that's a plus, but, Man, it's still not the best conditions across the league going through this every summer. And, you know, I think Dana, and I, I, it's so hard to say that she'll be like a top tier starter. But if she gets to, like, if she becomes a sixth woman of the year and, like, is just a flamethrower off the bench, like, if she turns into Raquana Williams, like, um, if that's your career in the WNBA, that's a really good. Like, I don't know. I would be proud of that. Like You're able to contribute to winning in just different ways. And you're just, I don't know. It all depends on how, like what you place value towards. But I think that Dana has the ability, like it has the chance to become a starter in this league, but she, if that doesn't happen, that doesn't mean she won't be productive in the league. That's true. That's definitely true. Um, one one thing that we haven't touched on is coaches who are overseas, and I know you mentioned um, Emery Vazinsever a, a couple of podcasts ago, a couple of episodes about the possibility of another team looking at him for interviews or a head coaching spot, and he got his first head coaching spot this offseason with uh, Sukarova basketball in, in Turkey, and he's doing pretty well. They're five and one in domestic play, uh, one and two in EuroLeague. And that only loss was their opening night game against Fenerbahce that they lost by two in overtime. 
I've been trying to, it's, it's hard because I don't think that they, for some reason, it doesn't seem like they have uh, information readily available in terms yeah. of their roster, but he's got, he's got, a t- it's, it's somebody who you want, you want to see succeed in terms of James Wade in, in an article that Andy wrote said the first thing that he saw in Emory was his energy. And I think that that's something that, especially for him as a coach, is it's it it goes to his it, it it's it's transmitted to his players really easily. They they take on that that part of his personality, and they've got a game coming up against Galatasaray in domestic play on um, two days from now. So that'll be one to watch. Again, Turkish Basketball League wants that to be part of their their appeal for countrywide. That's part of the politics of sports of Turkey. It's like, check out our basketball. And there'll be a way to watch that game. So if you want to see that, that'll be a, that'll be a quality game. As Ray Stevens is on Galata Sarai, she hasn't played since, I think, November 3rd. But Gala is, a, is one of the top two or three teams in Turkey, along with Fenerbahce. So if Emre can get a, a good win against Gala, that's good for his head coaching resume. I'm going to always root for Emery Vatan Sever. Just the nicest person, man. Just the nicest guy. Like, so genuine. I mean, yeah. I hope that he's able to continue to build his coaching resume over there and that maybe we'll see him in the WNBA as a head coach sometime. But also just one more thing, man. Just um, just want to say that I am really happy that all the Chicago Sky players and WNBA players that were unharmed in the bombing in Istanbul that happened just a few days ago. And I mean, uh, it's, it's too bad because those players shouldn't have to be there in the first place, but um, you know, you just get paid more, but we're building baby steps here in terms of being able to get them to a position where they don't have to go overseas and play again, basketball almost 365 days a year, but just glad that everyone who plays in Istanbul, which I believe is like 11 WNBA players and like a former college player, just that glad that everyone's okay. And that, um, you know, with everything that's going on with BG, that we didn't have another tragedy in the WNBA. Like my, my stomach was just so twisted when I saw that news. So just wanted to say that, but uh, Chris, do you have anything else you want to talk about before we, close out the episode yeah man it's high school basketball season in chicago uh support your local high school leagues it's college basketball season uh country and worldwide and james has the beat on depaul he has been raving about anisa morrow as well as the rest of the depaul teams and i think you had if i'm right you had a front row seat to that opening night uh drake iowa game that went down to the absolute wire so follow your man, James, not just for this professional basketball content, not just for this home decorating content, follow James for college basketball content too. And you know what we always say on this, on this podcast, his DMs are not open. Okay. Just because you enjoy the writing, just because the man's handsome, don't get thirsty. All right. Have I don't know what you're looking some, at, Chris. Have you got to get those. Have some tea. <laughs> Quench your thirst away from your mans. And that's all I have to say about that. 
Oh man, this really is going to continue, isn't it? I love it. It's uh... <laughs> don't worry, Maggie's all the way over there. People, she, <laughs> she wouldn't want Maggie to feel threatened, as if anyone would uh, be interested. But hey, here we are, man. Um, yeah, definitely. I'm going to be writing about DePaul this year through the Skyhook Podcast newsletter. So <laughs> it kind of just sounded like High School Musical, the musical, the show just now. Um, but. Um, yeah, the Skyhook newsletter, newsletter, I should say, which you can find in the episode description, along with our all of our contact info. You can email us at our mailbag, which is the Skyhook mailbag at gmail.com. One more time, that is the Skyhook mailbag at gmail.com. And if you want to follow us on social media, we just rebooted the Instagram page. I'm going to try to learn how to make a TikTok video and see if that's something that we can add as well. But yeah, if you want to find us on social media, check out our link tree that is also in the episode description. And if you want to make a financial contribution to the show, you can Venmo us at the Skyhook Podcast, capital T, capital S, capital P. And of course, if you can take a few seconds to rate and review the show, we would thoroughly appreciate it. Chris, great talking with you and appreciate all of you for tuning in to this episode of the Skyhook Podcast. Until next time. <laughs> <laughs>